What's up, guys? It's Jordan Stoltz, the host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Welcome to another Motivation Monday, and I'm dropping another interview for you. This one is episode 136, and my interview is with Tom Clutter. Now, Tom Clutter is the sustainable cyclist on social media and his website, um, and he's starting a company here in the Lincoln, Nebraska area where basically he is delivering a locally sourced food via bicycle to people and it's just a really cool business idea he has a lot of background and culinary experiences so he has been a chef for musicians celebrities and he kind of took that and then his business knowledge and his just passion for being an entrepreneur and is plugging it into this business really interesting conversation i would say out of probably all the interviews i've done i kind of vibed best with tom and we had some good chats we talked about fitness we talked about his uh triathlons kind of how he trains for that we got into nutrition and just the life of a chef which i thought was really interesting kind of a different perspective you don't hear very much about how uh, chefs oftentimes will actually struggle with their health um, and kind of how he cleaned himself up and was able to start pursuing a better lifestyle and then we really got into his business and why he thinks it's so important right it's kind of in the startup stages but we talked about the process he's going through and I think even more importantly uh, we kind of talked about, you know, the theory of being an entrepreneur and if it's for everybody, if you're born an entrepreneur, who should be, who shouldn't be, uh, and just the struggles that kind of he's faced, he didn't really see coming. Uh, it's a really great conversation. Like I said, we vibe really well together. It's a pretty comfortable chat and we met in person, which I always like to do for these interviews. I think you guys really enjoy this one. Get some good insight on nutrition, on um, endurance events and be able to talk about something I don't really talk about a lot. He gives some good insight there. And then also his business, the importance of eating whole foods, the importance of food choice, and the importance of just knowing where your food comes from. It's a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Be sure to check out Tom. I'll link all his pages in the description of the show. Uh, let's get down to it. Episode 136. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. So back up completely and talk yeah. about your background from the beginning so we can okay. let everyone in on that. Yeah. So I uh, I went to KU for a year back in, straight out of high school. I grew up very much KU basketball. Rock um, shock. Yeah. So that was always kind of my dream to go to school there. And I went there for a year and I started cooking while I was there in a bunch of different restaurants and then decided to take a break from school and, and cook. I, I enjoyed it and it kind of gave me, I grew up wrestling and kind of a stretch, but wrestling and working in a kitchen, it's all really high intensity mm-hmm. and, and pretty, pretty intense short timing. So they kind of aligned a little bit and I did a little bit of, you know, I worked in a sushi restaurant and worked to you know, burger joint, kind of all over the map. And then I got an opportunity to go cook and do on-site private Catering. Oh, cool. So there's a production company out in Lawrence that did um, catering for events for music festivals. So I got to um, 
go to Arkansas and work one of these music festivals. I was playing in a band at the time, too, so it was right. kind of the best of both worlds. I could go cook for some of my you know, musical idols and, yeah. and get to travel a little bit. So I did did some events doing that, and it was really, really interesting, and it kind of instilled that, took that work ethic to another level where it's like I would have to adapt to wherever the setup was. Um, and then we would do events in Lawrence, too, you know, that big street festivals mm-hmm. and concerts outside. So we take the equipment not to set up on site. So that's kind of um, the experience I've taken there. And I'm trying to bring into Lincoln a little bit too and, and just do events in that manner where it's like pop up kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so you cook on site, right? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what are some of the things like you cook if you're doing a pop up? What are your specialties? Well, I've done uh, Cuban sandwiches is what I really like. I work with a pork producer, actually, I met him before I came here, and it's amazing because I don't have to do a whole lot with the pork, and then I make these sandwiches, and people like, oh, what did you put in there? I'm like, well, it's the pork and a little citrus and a little bit of, you know, spice, but then there's not a whole lot, so I like to take things like that where the, the flavors are really strong, naturally, and then I can pair it with different things like how pickles or spice and mustard, and then deep beer bearings, things like that, trying to collaborate with, with a lot of different people. So Cool. How did you, like, what was the education process, learning the, all the different uh, cooking skills and flavor combinations and everything? Was there just a lot of experimentation, or did you yeah. have a mentor or something? That you... A little of both. I mean, a lot of it was uh, 2 a.m. when my friends were hungry and drunk. It was just they were willing to try anything and give me honest feedback. So <laughs> yeah. that was part of it. I had kind of an empty palette there to play with. And then I did get really lucky. The last place I worked in Lawrence, there were two couples that owned the restaurant and two of them actually published a cookbook that was broken down by flavor profiles, not, hmm. you know, salads, protein. It was broken down by, they would pick three, three really distinct flavors and put them together and then do three to five recipes. And that's how they cook. That's cool. So working for them really taught me to kind of think outside the box with that. And mm-hmm. then I also worked with another chef from Chicago that um, had a really crazy sweet tooth that he'd incorporate into, you know, the sweet and savory sort of deal, but he would do it in a really wild way. So things like cherry pepper ketchup, hmm. um, you know, pepper jams with fresh avocado, blue cheese with apples, all of these, all of these flavors that you don't think would go well together, right? Kind of on the surface, but then you taste it, and you're like, okay, I've never tasted anything like that, huh? And it's amazing. So you try to wrap some of that into your stuff you do now too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. What are some of the coolest experiences that you had, like cooking? You had the music festivals, or different people you cook for, maybe, or? Well, probably one of my favorites, and it's it's amazing. All of those people I cooked for, it's amazing their memory, and it was really cool how much they appreciated us cooking for them. So we were in Arkansas one year, and I'm a huge Cardinals fan, the St. Louis Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. It was during the playoffs, and so we're in this uh, in this lodge on the mountain where the festival is, and we're cooking for all of these bands. And Sam Bush is a mandolin player, and he's a huge Cardinals fan. He grew up around Louisville, so he's a big baseball fan. And we're, he wanted to eat dinner after the show. And so he and his whole crew bloods in the dining room, and we got to cook for him. And then I'm, you know, cleaning up. And, and it's like a house setup, so he's walking by the kitchen. And oh, okay. He sees my Cardinals hat, and he stops me and asks what the score is. And the only place you could get service on the whole mountain is in this lodge. And so I didn't want to tell him because we were down. 
We were down like you wanted to give five, good two. news. Yeah, exactly. I was like, here's here's one of my musical idols. I respect him because he's such a huge baseball fan too, and, and I have to just shut him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I told him I was like, well, it's five two, you know, in the bottom of the fifth. It was I think it was game six, or no, it was game four of the NL oh. NLCS, and so it could have been the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And so I told him it starts. He they had quite a bit of wine with dinner, so he, he's like, God, you know, he starts throwing yeah. a fit, and everyone's kind of looking at him, and I was like, No, 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 you know, it's the cardiac cardinals. You know, every year we we do really well. If there's some situation like this, we'll be fine. He's like, You know, you're right. You're right. I'll talk him off the leg. <laughs> so I told him we were gonna clean up and we go see him down at the last the last concerts later that night. And sure enough, we were in the front row, and the Cardinals ended up pulling it off. We were in our car listening to the end of the game, and he came up to me and shook my head. He like, you were right. right? <laughs> I knew there was something about you, and you, you weren't just BS. That's cool. So That's cool. I got, to, I got to cook him dinner and then celebrate the Cardinals playoffs awesome. too on the same night. So. so you learned all about cooking, all about flavors, and that kind of translated to what you do now. So talk about what you created now in Lincoln and what you're trying to have take off, right? Like this whole project you're working on, tell everyone about that. Okay. Yeah, so Marrow Market is the the name. Mm-hmm. It took, took a while to kind of get there, you know, kick around some ideas and see what what would fit and what really represented what I'm trying to do. And, and Marrow, you know, if you think of bone marrow, it's the connected tissue. And so that's really, you know, when I moved to Lincoln, there wasn't a whole lot. There's a really small community. You know, there are mm-hmm. farmers markets, there's a co-op, but there wasn't really that that strong community where you know everyone knew where to get local food. Right. And so I went to this conference in DC called Food Tank. We were talking about food access and food security and food waste. And I had a couple conversations with people from the coast about similar services where you know, it's food delivery to your door, farm to, true farm to table. And I thought about it. I was like, you know, why, why isn't there something like that? I'm like it. And I had had friends at CSA, you know, Community Support Agriculture Shares, where you pay a monthly fee and you get a share, but you don't know what's in it, and you have to go pick it up. So those were the two pain points they talked about. You know, like either you forget about it, then you have to wait another week and go pick it up, and then you don't know what you're gonna get because you didn't get to mm-hmm. pick it out. So then you end up with ten pounds of Swiss chard and they put that. What do I do with this? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of tried to reverse engineer that and and come at it from a protein standpoint. You know, everyone everyone always wants more fresh eggs. So why not start there, add bacon, add sausage, and, you know, add a balanced um, package of protein and then have those seasonal vegetables around it and then take it straight to the door. So using bike delivery. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of... That's one arm of it, and then it's turned into, you know, after getting out of restaurants and catering, it's turned into doing more pop-up events, too, to kind of support that and get people aware of how much actual local food is available around here. I mean, it was it was a matter of me making phone calls, you know, hearing about these farmers and just calling them, like, how would you get my number? I'm like, well, I Googled you. Okay, well, come on out. You know, must freak out some out farmers. <laughs> yeah, they, at first, they're like, who's this city kid coming yeah. out? You know, and I have... My grandparents were farmers, but after you know living in St. Louis, all over the Midwest, I don't, I don't necessarily have the farm 
yeah. kid look or mentality. Right. So yeah. There, there were a couple of them at first that weren't quite sure about me. But. Yeah. Well, so what was it your experiences, like your culinary experiences, that kind of teach you a little bit about business that you wanted to get into as well? Or did you just pretty much take the cooking skills you learned and apply it to like a business interest that you already had? Have you always been an entrepreneur type? A little bit. I, I mean, I think playing, you know, playing in bands so when I did that, that was really, um, that really, you know, you had to have that entrepreneurial grit to even go out and be yeah. successful. I guess even um, like wrestling and, uh, you know, in the kitchen, it's the same kind of hustle, right? Yeah. So maybe that was what was attractive to you. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I, again, I, living in Lawrence for so long, if you go down there in Massachusetts Street, which is the main street, 90, probably 90% of the restaurants there are local and locally sourced. And, mm-hmm. and so a lot of it was, was taking that inspiration from the experience of working people was blessed to work for for so long and seeing kind of that drive what they were able to do at once and wanting to kind of influence that here in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's kind of the biggest thing. I never thought I would be back through to restaurants full time, but it's something I enjoyed so much personally and I still had that skill set that I was like, you know, why why not yeah. try it? And the culture here has has grown with food trucks and pop ups and different people doing events. So that's really been the opportunity came at the right time. Because I did run a restaurant here the first year it was open. And that was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the same time a lot of places in the rail yard opened, so it was really a tough oh. environment. Was that down here in downtown? Yeah, it was in downtown. Okay. So it was you know, a lot of that I learned some really valuable lessons about People management, mm-hmm. you know, awesome marketing, and yeah, for sure, and kind of how to be able to reapproach something mm-hmm. um, and not be afraid to to just keep throwing darts at the wall until something sticks. Yeah. So, so what about your interest in cycling? So I'll, I'll, we'll get into that too a little bit later. But like, what about your interest in fitness and cycling, and then how did that pair together with your nutrition? Right? Because if you're locally sourcing, you're most like you know you're choosing relatively good foods, right, for mm-hmm. people, and how did that interest in health kind of play into that, too? You yeah. already have a... Yeah, I mean, I think so. So growing up wrestling, it was, um, you know, when you're a high school kid, you're like, oh, I can eat whatever, and I'm invincible. Yeah. Or so, you know, there were some days you'd go way in for a wrestling meet, and then you get a whole box of Twinkies, and felt like hell before your match, and you left why. You know, obviously, that's not, it's not a good approach to nutrition. Yeah. Um, a lot of it came, you know, I grew up on a bike, just riding around, you know, riding around the neighborhood. Then growing up in St. Louis, uh, my uncle that lives in Birmingham, he and my aunt came to visit and he rode mountain bikes. So I really, really got into that in St. Louis with all the state parks around. And then I, you know, I kind of, I had a big transformation when I moved to Lincoln about five years ago because I was getting back into that. I was trying to find a way to be competitive again, even just with myself mm-hmm. and so um, I did my first triathlon three a little over three years ago okay and so that was you know I knew I really loved to ride a bike I wasn't great at running but I, I hadn't done anything competitive for a while so I was like well we'll see I know I hate swimming but I can get over that you know that yeah was my mentality that's always kind of the weak point right yeah yeah I was like as long as I can make it out of the water you know the rest of the will be good. So 
that was, you know, that was when I really got, I dropped probably 85 pounds. I, oh, wow. And you know, I quit drinking soda, quit, you know, quit smoking. Living, living a lifestyle as a professional chef is usually not the healthiest. And there's, you know, I've come to find out my story in that way is not very unique. There's, hmm. you know, there's a lot of people that have a strong culinary background and that, you know, the, the whole practice when you preach kind of comes to fruition sometimes where it's like, okay, I can make really great food for other people, but why am I not doing that for myself? I've always wondered that. I've asked that question before about like, I mean, it's dumb, but like just watching Food Network or something on TV and see, you know, they're making these great dishes, but they're like, you know, that big. Yeah. And you wonder if they go home and eat a box of mac and cheese or if they go home and make a great dish, you know, it's that yeah. big. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's kind of a toss up, you know, it depends on where you work. Um, a lot of the restaurants I worked in, we, we started to make not traditions, but we would, we would have weekly meals where it's like, let's get together and grill out. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean that, that atmosphere, you get in a cycle sometimes where it's like, you go to work at 9am, you work all day, yeah. coffee all day, you don't eat a whole lot. Just exhausted too. And you're yeah. done. And then by the time, yeah, by the time 10 or 11 o'clock rolls around, all you want to eat is fried food. Right. Just crap it. Just grab stuff. something on the way home or something just yeah. pass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's been, you know, so that's, that was really an eye-opener for me, though, because I always wondered why people that were vegan or vegetarian or ate these really clean diets, how, how they got there. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I'll be the first to tell you, and I, I'll probably get put fun at I do fairly often, because I'm, I'm the first one to eat two donuts on a Friday morning if I wake up, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have that craving, sometimes I'll just go eat a couple donuts and then double down on my run later, but that's that's the thing, is it, it is really kind of resetting the palate, so it doesn't matter if you, you know, if you want to eat peanut butter and jelly at the Cresco, that's fine. But just know that that's what your nutrition is going to be. And if you have a bunch of sugar and carbs, that's what you're going to crave. Mm-hmm. And that took me a long time to really break that cycle of like, oh, I can't eat bacon every day. Right. Because then it's a slippery slope to eating bacon every day plus eating fried other crap every day because mm-hmm. that's what you start craving. That's interesting. That, I mean, a, a lot of plans, a lot of like even like authorities and nutrition kind of will promote that even, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's actually, I think kind of rare, which is weird that you think health and fitness and nutrition, you think it wouldn't be rare, but it's kind of rare that people actually promote good foods, right? Or like actually locally sourced foods that make you have high energy and feel good, which is backwards, kind of like the chef thing, right? It mm-hmm. seems backwards, but it is interesting. So in Let's get back kind of to your sports, right? So you did this transformation, mm-hmm. and then you did a triathlon. Um, yeah. How many years ago was that? Yeah. So that was that was probably three years ago. Okay. Have you done stuff since then? Is that kind of a continuous? It's training? Um, yeah. It's actually blown up into something I never really imagined it would. Um, and this next year, I'm really looking forward to capitalizing on that even more because I've seen. So I did. I'm one of those people where if you challenge me tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to put 10 times the effort into it that I probably should. Mm-hmm. So that first triathlon, I did on a mountain bike, and I had, 
I think I swam once in the pool before I did it. I was like, oh my god, I'm crush this. It would be great. And it was awesome. Like, when I finished, I was like, that sucked. But I, when can I sign up for the next one? Yeah. And so, then, I think I did, the, the following year, I did my first half marathon, and then I did six more that year. Six more mar- half, half marathons? Yeah. Wow. And then... it's a lot of miles. The year after that. So the first triathlon was four years ago. And then... Um, so last year I did my first full marathon. Mm. And this is all coming from, you know, four years ago. I was like, oh, I'll do this triathlon. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And just, I mean, not that long ago, 85 pounds heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's funny when I show people pictures from, you know, five years ago. They're like, that's not... There's no way that's... And not just with the weight, just kind of the whole yeah. appearance. And it's funny, it, it really is, um, again, this is something in the triathlon community that really, you'll see people that go from one extreme to the other where they, they were living a really unhealthy lifestyle and then something clicked one day. Like, how, do I, how do I take that first step? And then it's just kind of snowballed. Mm-hmm. So this last summer was probably my biggest, biggest racing year to date. And also longest. So I did my first half Ironman in June. And then after I did my first marathon two years ago, I kind of didn't have anything scheduled after. And so if I don't have something else on the schedule, I feel like I get in that, that wall. You know, if you don't have some kind of goal to, to look forward to and work towards, you kind of get in that wall where you're like, well, right. I, can, I can go work out or I can, I can put it off till tomorrow. Yeah, it's something to train for. Yeah. So I had done. Well, I had done this race in Kansas City two years ago, a 20-mile trail race, and so I decided to do my first ultra marathon this year, too, in July. And that's the, those two things really were uh, pretty huge obstacles, not in the race itself, but the atmosphere. Hmm. And kind of learning how to mitigate risk when you're in, you know, in fitness so you don't get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, through training, but also like race day, I did. Uh, I started a training plan that was more high intensity, low volume. Okay. And I actually felt like when I trained for a marathon, I did the opposite. I did a lot of high volume weekly miles, and and just getting those miles. Out. Right. And I got to race day for the marathon, and I didn't feel quite like that. You're all beat down from all those miles. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was almost like, let's just get through it at this point. Um, so before the half Ironman this year, I started this, this other training plan that was more high intensity, very regimen. So I knew Tuesdays and Thursdays I had a ride, Mondays and Fridays I had a swim, and then long runs on the weekends. And it was great. I So it has a dashboard where you can see week by week how much you're improving as well. And so I saw my bike time drop about 20 minutes over 15 miles awesome. in, in the summer. So... Seeing all that and then getting to race day, and this is where the nutrition comes in. And, yeah. And again, this is really what's hammered at home. So I made it to, so I raced in Raleigh, North Carolina, and it was hot. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, North Carolina in the summer. Yeah. Humid. Yeah. So it was hot and humid. I got through the swim fine. I had never swam that distance, and it was great. I was able to kind of zone in and just focus. And then the bike was great, and I, you know, the biggest struggle there is I really enjoy biking, so I have to keep myself from blowing out. Oh, yeah. And be like, okay, I have nothing left for the run. 
by the time I got to the end of the bike, the heat really hit, and I left my salt tablets on the bike, so I ended up cramping up mm. about halfway through the run. And I ended up finishing still under my goal, but you know, it was one of those things where I will never forget my salt tablets again. Right, yeah. And I, that was, you know, that was almost the biggest screw-up of that whole day. Hmm. You know, everything else, it wasn't the effort. I had trained up perfectly, but it really was the nutrition. Yeah. Uh, you know, the night before, the morning of, and then all the way through the day. So I think that's, that's something where, you know, I don't like to look at things as zero-sum, you know, where it's like all or nothing. Mm-hmm. But it really is with nutrition and fitness. You give yourself those cheat days so you don't completely get off course, but mm-hmm. making sure you have, even if you do get off course, making sure you have that that backup plan. Like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And how do I get back on? So talk about that, like the nutrition, kind of how you shifted it in your transformation, mm-hmm. and then what that's like now that you're, I mean, you got to be, you know, you're training pretty intensely and often, right? Because you're, you have all these events. Mm-hmm. So how did that look? What was the first changes you made and kind of how did that evolve? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was really just taking out fillers. So, you know, I, again, working in the culinary industry, you have food at your oh, yeah. arms reach all day long. So a lot of it was only eating when I was hungry. Um, and really allowing my body to be hungry and not just eating out of boredom or, you know, having a snack because it's an emotional response to something. Um, but as far as what I was eating, a lot of it just started to, to really think about what I was eating and where it came from. So not so much, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are vegetarian focused, especially endurance athletes because mm-hmm. they, they try and get that clean protein. And I found that, you know, I can still eat pork and beef. And I use I use bacon fat to cook. Bacon fat and olive oil to cook pretty much anything because I trust where I'm getting that from. Okay. So a lot of it was really once you get down to eating that clean protein, you know, if that's your cornerstone, if that's your first hurdle, you know, if you're like, oh, I can't go without eating bacon. I just can't live without it. I don't disagree. So yeah, you know, just find good bacon and starting BLTs and that. So starting there and then your body, you know, allowing it to adjust. So eating, you know, not eating pasta just because of carb loading. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of myths out there, I think, in the, especially fitness-oriented with nutrition. Yeah. It's like, you should carb load before you go do this and you should only eat. You know, there's so many fad diets mm-hmm. and I think that was something that I had done the worst and worst by wrestling, you know, eating Twinkies and all that, and I knew yeah. that didn't work. And then but dehydrating I, yourself to cut down weight. And right. Just, yeah. And so the other extreme, too, I was like, well, I don't know if that if that would benefit me either. So now, you know, I did a Whole30 in January earlier this year, and that was really another another thing going back to, like, resetting that palate. That's kind of the focus. and. Of, of my business, too, is, like, allowing people to have that balance of vegetables, protein, but you're not eating just, you know, what you like. If you love meats, that's great, but if you eat seven days a week, yeah. you'll have really, really oxygenated blood, Yeah, that's about it. So, the balance is the biggest thing. Just listening, 
listening to your body and what you're hungry yeah. for. Yeah. Was that hard to kind of gain that skill? Because, I mean, that's a skill to listen to your body and to know, I mean, not just when you're hungry, but what kind of foods your body's craving, especially if you're putting a lot of stress on it through a lot of training, right? That's yeah. pretty tough to get to that point where you kind of already there a little bit from your time wrestling and everything and you kind of had that background or was that kind of tricky to learn? It was, I mean, at first it was a struggle. Mm -hmm. It was, it was tough to kind of pick up on the nuance because especially when you're training hard or doing anything, you know, you get done and your body's craving Mm -hmm. food. And so you're like, oh, I I burned 800 calories. I can eat whatever I want. Yep. Um, That's, that's really tough. I think, there are so many bars out there too. That's another thing I tried to stay away from, and I've gotten better at. Um, like, it's it's ironic because things like cliff bars, or you know, the things that are marketed as adventure yeah. outdoor activity um, supplements or yeah. anything with meal replacement is kind of a red flag to me unless yeah. I know what's in it. Lots of high density calories, oils, and sugars, and yeah. Anything to get that calorie number up, right? Mm-hmm. Which at a certain point, I mean, I did, well, I'll get to that in a second. So salted knuckles is, is something where I thought that was the craziest thing. And they are healthier than cliff bars. They have less sugar and more protein than half the protein bars mm-hmm. that you can get to on a ride or work out. So that's something, again, uh, adjusting your palate. So you enjoy that true saltiness, not that fake, mm. you know, additive stuff. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of it was drinking a ton of water too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that I started drinking a liter of water, try to finish it every morning before I put it in the system. Cause that way you have a clean, you know, a clean base for the day and then your body is able to respond cool. to what you put in. Yeah. So, and then let's talk about like sourcing local food too. So that's kind of the cornerstone of your business mm-hmm. is that local food. What's, what is the importance of that? Like, why do you think people, it, are you focusing on that to kind of support the local economy or do you think it's definitely like a healthier option for people? Like what's the importance of focusing on that in your business? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's two, two parts to that. Um, definitely it helps build the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the local economy, there's, there's something especially unique to Nebraska too, where we have, you know, not to get too political, but we have these tax issues because, you know, crop revenue is down. Um, I think the producers I work with don't do commodity farming. Um, they do, and they actually have more success when they do grow commodity crops, which is ironic too, but they'll, they will grow corn, but they'll grow it to feed their own hogs. Or, or cattle or sure. whatever they're raising. So a lot of it is they are supporting themselves in this ecosystem, which then just from a health perspective, um, you know, some of it you can consider myth, but I, I found it to be pretty true. You know, if you have a head cold, drink tea with local honey in it, or eat local honey, and that way you're getting the allergens in your body and you're allowing them to develop um, resistance to, to allergens or to you know, bacteria that's around. So on the health level, I think it's great. And, and there's so many people doing so many great things with food production that they just, it, it is supporting the community on a whole other level. And 
and and they're really up with my dad's and cold to um, meet and work with them. They're some of my biggest supporters because they they really don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, they they know what they're producing is the best, and they might share it. But if you don't like it, they know you're missing out. Yeah. So my you know my goal is to to connect with you, mm-hmm. and then from you know, from a community perspective, it really is one of those things where if, you know, if you meet these people, then then you start to see what they're doing and how they're producing it. And then you start to realize the impact of what you're buying at the grocery store. You know, not to, to put that down because it's another thing I struggle with as far as the premium on things like organic. Sure. I think we've created this idea that to be healthy, you have to be organic. Yeah, it's really pushed on their whole things, or you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is just, again, being mindful about what you're eating. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And it's it's amazing when I cut a tomato slice and I give it to someone that's never tasted a tomato other than off the, the shelf at IB, and they're like, whoa. Yeah. That's what that That's flavor. Like, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you know. You don't have to put a bunch of salt and pepper on it. So that's, um, you know, with the beef I get, it's amazing because I, I'll i make a roast. I'll make one of the roast cuts and I'll cook it medium rare. I won't even salt and pepper it. I'll just put a little balsamic and rosemary and give someone a bite of it. Get out. That's crazy. What did you season that with? And I just simple touch it. Yeah. Huh. So you really get, you know, not to, not to get too heavy, but... You get the whole ecosystem of what that animal's eating, and then you're eating it. So you get all the nutrients from that. Okay. So then you don't have to have all these supplemental vitamins and things like that if you're able to really kind of find that balance. Mm-hmm. Did your agriculture background, like a little bit with your, you said your grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of you know grew up around this Midwest area you're around all the time. It, did that help? So you kind of knew that process a little bit so you could talk to these people? and It did. It did a little bit. My my grandparents farmed grain in Iowa, uh, and they had some livestock, so it did a little bit. It helped me know definitely how to approach yeah. the farmers um, in some ways. In, in other ways, it is kind of conflicting because it's they know what I know, and and they appreciate that I still choose to use their food. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, for sure. And even you know, there was a panel on. The future of food here at Huffington Post is in town a month or so ago. And a friend of mine, he owns a, a company, but his family has had feedlots out in Western Nebraska too. He's like, you know, we see all this grain being grown, but it's being shipped out. So a lot of that is that, you know, that conflict of, well, we're growing this, but we can't eat it to our own right. livestock. So there's, I have another friend in Kansas that he went to Iowa State, now owns his own farm down there. He started kind of a network of collaboration between himself and other farmers. So they they're working on something I would like to bring here to where the farmers kind of work more together to help support and, and understand who's growing what this season and really make better use of the land too. Mm-hmm. So with marrow, how do you do you cook? You cook the food and then you deliver it to people. Cooked? Or are you delivering the ingredients? I just want to clarify that. Yeah, 
Yeah, we, we deliver the ingredients. Right, so that's we, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, when we do events, we do on-site cooking. Too. Okay, yeah, and then otherwise you're delivering locally sourced ingredients to people instead of right. groceries, basically, right? It's like the alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so is it, is it received well in general, do you think? If, yeah, yeah, I mean, for the most part, everyone that we've, we've worked with and then ordered from us, they really enjoy it. Um, they enjoy the variety. I, you know, some we work with some more traditional farmers that do beef and pork and you know sweet potatoes things like that, and then I work with some other producers that do hydroponic and aquaponic farming in town. And so, for instance, one of them, um, one couple, his wife is from Japan, and so she'll bring in these Japanese varieties of greens. And so every week I get to deliver these really unique varieties of greens. Oh, they some of them are you know not familiar to me until I try and through them and, and people really enjoy that just trying new things yeah and, and being able to have that variety yeah and then you know there there are the people that are a little less uh, protein focused mm-hmm. and so it is we're we're trying to work on that educational piece of to make it more approachable where it's like you know yeah it's a lot of meat but it's you know, you don't have to eat all that meat in one week. And also, there's different ways you can prepare it. So we try and give some guidance to you with recipes. So right. it's, again, it's not overwhelming. But it's also not the blue model where it's all kinds of food. That's what I was going to ask you about next, actually, is what you think about some of the meal prep services that are out there. There's all kind of Blue Apron, HelloFresh, right? And then I think there's actually like some fitness branded ones too that try to focus on like high protein foods and stuff. Like I think like icon meals is one that they deliver these foods, you know, in the packages to you mm-hmm. kind of what, just what are your general thoughts on that? Like, do you see some problems with that as far as even just like health and nutrition is concerned or even food quality is fine as well? Yeah. I mean, with, with quality, they've gotten a lot better. Um, Blue Apron, especially has worked. HelloFresh I've tried, so I've tried HelloFresh and Blue Apron. HelloFresh, I feel like their produce and their, their products are a lot more consistent mm. in quality, and they are better. Um, Blue Apron, just from a culinary perspective, it allows people to try new things, which is great. It kind of helps broaden their, their horizons a little bit. But I feel like the way that recipes are, are written, um, it ends up taking more time and more effort to prepare because they have you. They teach you in a way that's very simplified. And so then you end up with five extra pans at the end. And you're like, well, now I'm doing oh, you half couldn't. an hour additions on top of it. Okay. There's, you know, they're kind of adapting to, they they have some new options where it used to be if you chose these two meals, you couldn't get this one. And so they're kind of, there are definitely benefits to it. I think it it's sacrificing it's feeding into that, that convenience of mm-hmm. it all, um, which I think is, you know, with Amazon buying Whole Foods, that's another yeah, that'll kind come. of thing where, where everyone expects it to lower the prices of food and increase convenience, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that's good on the front end or the back end for the producers. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where it's going to take a while to find that. Right. So... 
what are like the long term goals for the company? Do you like how do you see it growing? Do you want to really grow the community here specifically, or do you plan on expanding it to maybe different towns, or kind of what's the what's the plans and goals there? That's kind of that's a good question. That's something I've kind of been thinking about over the last year, and I think there is some opportunity in Kansas. Um, again, a friend of mine that runs he runs a farm and then a a CSA with multiple other farms around there, and it's the official CSA of the university. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I would like to approach here, and I think is a challenge, um, yeah. but but something that's definitely possible. And then. Looking at other markets similar to, to Lincoln, you know, Ames, Iowa is another one that's where I was born. So mm-hmm. that's another one that comes to mind where it has the culture there and there's definitely an opportunity. Um, overall, in the next five years, I'd love to create kind of a Midwest corridor through there where it's Ames, you know, Lincoln, Omaha, Lawrence, Kansas City. Yeah. I think everyone in those areas is, is kind of getting on the, the wagon right now. Mm-hmm. So I think. The, the more role I can help play in connecting all of those different communities. Yeah, it's all about kind of creating a movement too for it, right? Because it might not be as big here as it maybe is on the coast. Like you were talking about, they probably have that in you know, lots of stands and everything in California where they have produce everywhere, it seems mm-hmm. like, right? So you're trying to kind of bring that here and bring that to the people here and create that community and culture around that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then doing that Continuing to do that through events, you know, having that's that's something I really love about this opportunity is I'm not not tied down to one restaurant, you know, one menu. I can mm-hmm. I can use that as a creative outlet for myself, but then also sharing different things with, with sure. people that maybe they haven't tried before. And they yeah. don't, you know, you can't you can't know you don't like something if you don't know what you don't like. So right, getting people to kind of bring their walls down a little bit and then try some new stuff too. So you've always been competitive, right? Like through, you kind of seems like you, you kind of strive for that competition, right? You, you kind of need that in something, right? So you're doing the events or you're in a kitchen or you're, you're wrestling maybe, you know, you just need that competition. So you're probably pretty entrepreneur uh, inclined, mm-hmm. I guess. Do you think entrepreneurs are, born or made like do you think there's a certain type of person that's that's meant to be an entrepreneur or do you think that you can learn those skills like in school like UNL has an entrepreneur center kind of and Mm -hmm. there's you know majors that are entrepreneur majors which is kind of unique I guess and uh it's kind of like the it's kind of trendy right like to be an entrepreneur is kind of trendy yeah A, a lot of people want to own their own business of some kind but do you think that takes a certain kind of person that's born that way, or do you think that you can learn it? I've, I've been kind of been asking this question to everybody yeah. with a business that I've... No, I think, I think that's a great question, and I think that... I mean, I, I think it does take a certain characteristic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that is teachable. I yeah, think, no, I, I agree. it could be developed, but I don't think it's necessarily teachable. Yeah. Um, all of my mentors... I, I feel really, really blessed because they have, they've had the same thing where it's not something they went to school to do. It was something they were doing and that while they were in school, they developed skills to amplify that. Um, so I think if, 
you know, I think if you want to start a business, more power to you, but don't do it because it's trendy. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, when it gets to those days where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Exactly. You're going to be more inclined to, to let it go. Yeah. I think everybody is passionate about something and I think they, you know, can apply that into maybe making money or a career from their passion eventually or something. But I, I do agree with you, like the entrepreneur, like you kind of need that killer instinct a little bit and that patience, you know, to really stick it out, yeah. put up with the doubt and all those different difficult times. For sure. That's interesting. Well, I had, I, I also worked with a, a business coach for two years and then started again in, hmm. in January and kind of took a break just to get um, some things rolling that we worked on. So I think having mentors and coaches, you know, yeah. whether it is in sports or business is also a huge resource that for sure you know, if you want to take something on having a support system or at least someone that can call you out the bullshit too. Yeah. And, and whether that's you taking on too much or not giving yourself enough credit. Mm-hmm. So. so what's uh if you had an entrepreneur who's talking to you who maybe like knew they wanted to be an entrepreneur or have a business but didn't necessarily have an idea. So what would you tell that person? Like as far as experiencing different things, you're finding your idea, how would you how would you go about that? I mean, just go go have coffee with people you respect. Um, some of the things I've found that are some of my greatest strengths, but also weaknesses, you know, picking those out, it's easy to either do it from a, a judgmental perspective. You know, we're our own worst judge, mm-hmm. worst critic. But if um, someone asked me the same thing about networking a couple of weeks ago, I think it's we don't take into consideration the answers we give ourselves through things we talk about with other people. So I think if you if you want to start a business but you're not sure what that that topic or that idea is, you know, go go talk to people that you respect that have their own business that's successful and they can maybe reflect something back and you don't even notice inside yourself. So yeah. they they might pick out something and say, do you realize you mentioned this three or four times? Like, is this your business? And oh, that's and good that, advice. Yeah. That might be something, you know, you never know where the idea will come yeah. from. So that's, I would say that's one place. And then just just reach, research stuff. You know, read read about things. You know, just find out. I I love information. I'm one of those people where I just soak in every web page and I'm like, oh, I'll get to that later. But yeah, soaking up the information and eventually don't be scared to pick something new too. Yeah. I think a lot of it's being scared, right? I think like even if you're not seeing something in yourself, you might be purpose, like you're subconsciously kind of pushing that back, right? You're mm-hmm. scared that that might not work out. Yeah. So that's good advice to have someone kind of bounce it back at you yeah. and give you that direction maybe. What? What's some of the challenges in starting your own business that's relatively new that you didn't see coming? Like some of the behind the scenes things that people don't think of when they see someone starting a business that are challenges. I'm sure there's a lot, but maybe yeah. you give like a top one that is it's kind of surprising. Well, I mean, especially with food. So this this will be food specific. Just yeah, no, that's second. fine. I that's mean, your I, thing. I don't assume anyone has the answers. You know, making that assumption that everyone else has it figured out is is a huge challenge not to make that assumption. But, you know, I've had people ask me questions where I was like, 
I just learned this six months ago. So yeah. here I'll share it with you now, but I had no idea what I didn't know. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it is just that doing things that make you uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. If so important. Yeah, not undervaluing yourself either. You know, in the nature of a, a somewhat service-based business, you don't know what people are willing to pay mm-hmm. until, until you screw yourself up at least once. It's know, true. It's kind of, that's one thing. And then, you know, another challenge is just the everyday stuff, you know, being able to kind of laugh about things because you never know when you're going to get that email. They're like, ah, man, I knew I forgot something. And then it's, you know, then maybe it'll, it'll work itself out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's no roadmap. I think that's going back to learning how to be an entrepreneur. There, there's no roadmap, no matter what people teach you. There's certain systems. And I think that was a big challenge. I didn't expect is I had seen so many other people do similar things. I was like, oh, well, I'll just take this piece from this one and this one from this one. I'll try and put it together. And in this box that someone else gave me, it was like, oh, well, if you have all these pieces, it'll come together. So, I mean, that's a challenge. Um, always expect to just kind of roll with punches because no matter how, having a plan is good, but no matter how sound you think your plan is, Mm-hmm. It's gonna change. Yeah. What uh, what what motivates you to keep going? Like you talked about those times where maybe it's pretty rough, or you kind of doubt the idea in general. Even yeah. what what gets you through those times? Is it just the competitiveness in you, or is it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of bigger? competitiveness. I mean, to be completely honest, it's it's just the reaction, the visceral the visceral reaction from people. Hmm. Um, you know it. That's what's kept me going through because it's it's the one person that gets it out of the ten that you don't like, get it. So like I did uh, zipline brewing's fifth anniversary dinner a couple weeks ago, and it was you know it was one of those things where I applied. That was one of the first jobs I applied for when I moved mm-hmm. to Lincoln, and the guy that was running the tap room at the time was like, "You're gonna be bored, man." Like he went to my resume and saw it. Oh, yeah. restaurants. He's like, I don't want you just washing dishes. You're gonna be bored. And I was like, No, please. <laughs> I want, I want to be bored for a little bit. Right. So then you know, seeing things come full circle. That's that's the thing. The days when you feel like you're the furthest down you can go, those are the days that you're on to be this far away from like the greatest high. Too. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what keeps me going. Is really, um, you know, in business and in, in competition. With racing and stuff, yeah. that's why doing endurance races, it you can, you know, it really aligns with entrepreneurship because no matter how much work and effort and training you put into it, it really comes down to that day and that moment that you can be top of the world one day and you can be completely sure. the next step. What really quickly just to back up on your like when you're in your culinary career. What made you decide to leave, or like what? What really made you want to take that jump, either to get started on something on your own, or go back to school, or what was the what was the thing that kind of made you want to pursue something different? Because I think it's pretty cool, right? Like yeah. you're doing you're doing something you really liked, and you're in cool situations. You're going all over the place. What made that? What kind of sparked that change? Well, I think you know you kind of. I've found that life kind of ebbs and flows through these. You know, you hit a plateau, and then you feel like 
need something else to challenge you. And it had always been on the back burner since I, I left school the first time. Hmm. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to go back for. And so I came to Nebraska and moved here. Um, I knew I kind of wanted to change the scenery. Just I grew up, I moved once when I was 12. And I moved again and went to college. So I've always kind of had this weird um, journeyman mentality, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So part of it was that I wanted a new experience. And I, um, I, I mean, it was. I, I had a great kind of thing going. And, but it was something where I felt like the people I was working with had given me so much that I needed to take that to the next level or, or try something new. And so... There was a period of probably a year and a half where I, it was a transition, um, going back to school, not necessarily being at the same level I was in, in a kitchen or in the culinary world and having to kind of, you know, it's, it's just like any other competitive atmosphere. You kind of have to work your way back up. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I think the drive came from just wanting to take all of those experiences and, and level it up mm-hmm. and challenge myself. Yeah. What is there a typical day for you? What is it? I mean, you you got so many things you're juggling, man. You got yeah. school, work, business, everything. Like, what is it? Is there a typical day at all, or are you just well? Um, so I try and I, I use I try and use this template called the Ideal Week, and that's something my coach recommended to me, and it was great. And it's the biggest part about it is, is letting it be flexible. Because it's blocked off by half hours, so I know I have class these hours, and I try and devote like a half an hour on Tuesday and Thursday after the morning class to kind of wrap that up, mm-hmm. see what I need to do before the next class, and then put that on the, on the shelf until later. A lot of it is, you know, typical days, wake up, have coffee, try and give myself 10 to 20 minutes of just regrouping and focusing on what I have to do that day, and then... If I can fit a run in, maybe I'll do that in you know, my apartment. Oh, and you got the training, too. Yeah. Training. Well, that's, that's, that's something, you that's know, crazy. it's funny. I feel like the busier I am, the more balanced I am. Yeah. So no, when, I I have, when I have the training, when I have business, when I have school, um, everything else falls into place. And I think that helps a lot. You know, I have a bike trainer at home. I ride at Power Cycle, too. So it's, I always have, I have a great support system I go and I work out or if I go to class or if I go to work I can always kind of everything's very flexible mm-hmm. so you know usually I, I live both an early riser and a, a night owl lifestyle so depending on the day I may be up till one tinkering around with stuff or thinking about stuff for the website or I may be up at 5.30 going for a run because I I know I've got a full day the rest of the day so yeah. Can I, we're going to wrap up the show here quick, but can I just hit you with some rapid fire, like nutrition questions? Yeah. Just kind of your opinion, fine, whatever is, I'm just going to maybe like four or five questions. Mm-hmm. So what are just some simple changes your average 45 year old person can make to eat better, just to eat healthier in general? I mean, like, you know, with your background and with your business now i mean i would say just have have fresh fruits and vegetables around and get rid of the crackers like i feel like there was such a generation of cheese and crackers and pretzels being you know like 
just finger food. Pretzels and beer is great. I love it. But that's not, that's just filler. You know, if, if you have fresh fruits and vegetables around, have those, those clean carbs and then. Right. It'll help you feel better and, and you won't hit those goals that, you know, I just talking to someone I worked with and you look at old Dr. Pepper cans, it says 10, 10, 1, and 2. And those are the hours of the day you should have a Dr. Pepper. Oh, wow, well, yeah. Place, so then when you hit the wall, it'll get you back up. Oh, so okay. <laughs> that's, that's, you stay away from the Dr. Pepper yeah. and have some nuts or salted nut rolls. Make it easier on, salted nut rolls, that's the key. Make it easier on yourself to make good choices, huh? Yeah. So what you said, kind of the myths of carb loading and stuff. Just really quickly, what's what's a better way to eat for those endurance events? Well, I mean, kind of the, the running joke is just eat laffy taffy and like use, which which if you're doing the long events, that's you're gonna have to eat that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, those Gatorade chews or yeah, whatever they are. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think if you have if you have a big competition or if you have something you're working up to, just just keeping it balanced. You know, I think the pasta thing is good, but don't do it the night before. I think that's a really dangerous part of the myth. Is like if you eat pasta the night before a race, you're not going to digest it anyway. You know, eat it start Monday if you're racing Saturday. Mm. That's start further out, and then you can adjust and let your body adjust as you okay you lead up to it. What uh, how how important is just like eating, you know, clean eating, I guess, versus just calorie counting? Because there's kind of two different sides of the fitness world, right? And they're always clashing about if you should, you know, typically choose healthy foods or if you should just count and try to fit everything in. There's two there's two extremes, and there's kind of a balance in the middle as well. Where do you stand on that? I think it depends on what your goals are. If you want to lose weight, short term, count calories. I mean, that it, scientifically, yeah, yeah. it'll work. If you want to sustain a healthier lifestyle, you have to focus on clean eating. Yeah, and, and I think that's a dangerous term to use. You know, I think it is too. Has, it kind of gives you good and bad food. Yeah, mentality a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there, I went to Greece last year and got to uh, cook with the chef that tours the world and teaches people how to cook with olive oil on the Mediterranean diet. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he said something that really stuck with me. He's like, food's an investment in ourselves and our future. And so that's that's another thing. Like, think about the calories you're eating. You know, if, if you feel miserable at 2.30, it's probably because you ate low calories of something not good for you for lunch. Mm-hmm. And if you're eating clean foods, whether that you know, clean, again, it's kind of an arbitrary term, but if you're eating things that are whole foods with minimal processing, then you're probably going to feel better in the long run. Yeah. So I think, you know, to bring it back to the, the original question, I think just eating eating a balance of the two, you know, yeah. obviously you don't want to overload, but the more consistent you are, yeah, the more it's going to it's gonna really catch on. That's what I preach to. I mean, I have kind of like a, like a different kind of food pyramid in my head about how that should go. And it's like base of the pyramid is the amount of food you eat. Cause you know, no matter what it is, if you eat way too much of it. It's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, devil's in the dosage there, but then right up next to it on the next level is food choice, making sure you have, you, you know, you're feeding yourself the proper foods and you're making you feel better, make good habits. And then above that, maybe it's like the smaller things like, 
macronutrient splits, uh, food timing, that kind of things that maybe aren't going to play as big of a difference, just to kind of help people focus on the important things first, right? It really is just balancing the two. Yeah. What, uh, how, how should people set goals for nutrition? So maybe they just want to make a healthier lifestyle, right? And they want to feel their best and perform their best and whatever they do. Do you think they should make big goals, small steps? Kind of what's your goal setting? Well, that's, I, I mean, coming from my experience, I live a life of extremes. So okay. I think, um, you know, I, I tended to vacillate back and forth between donuts and then really clean eating. So I think a good way to go about it is, is steps. I mean, I, I did Whole30 in January and that was a really eye-opening experience. And a lot of it was not thinking, I had never thought about portion of, you know, no matter what you're eating. So only eating like this size serving of fruit, but pairing it with an egg or with something else. So you're really looking for that balance. And I think doing, you know, after that, I felt great. But I think that's also a slippery slope. If you're doing these big jumps to try and implement a drastic change in your lifestyle, you're more susceptible to a complete crash in the opposite direction. And so I think if you can, if you can have concrete goals, they can be a little outrageous. You want to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. Having concrete goals and, and just taking on chunks at a time to yeah. really get to the place you want to be. All right, Tom. Thanks for joining me today. You bet. Thanks for spitting the knowledge and telling us all about your business and what you're up to. Where can people find you? What's the best place to connect with you? They're all over yeah. the country. so Yeah, you can go to um, All right, is the website. You can follow me on Instagram, Sustainable Cyclist, and then marrow.market.meets. So I try okay. to put recipes on both the Marrow sites and then Sustainable Cyclist is you can kind of follow my race and nutrition and fitness journey. And then every once in a while, I just throw some, some travel pictures in there too. So is, is meats with an A like beef or like meats yeah. like meetups? Yeah. With it, with an A. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. I'll link those in the description of the show so people can find you. Cool. And guys, be sure to connect with Tom. Uh, thank you for joining us. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Tom Clutter. Like I said before at the beginning of the show, be sure to check him out. I will link all of his pages in the description of the show. Um, I probably will talk to him later. I think this will be a good maybe like two-part interview where I check in with him maybe later on down the road and see how his business is doing, see how uh, just this whole community that he's building is receiving uh, his service. And uh, I hope you guys got a lot out of it on nutrition, on eating locally sourced food, knowing where your food comes from, just the journey of an entrepreneur. And I think it was very motivating and inspiring and had a lot of good information. So probably one of my favorite interviews. Hope you guys thought the same. That was episode 136 of the show. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next episode. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.